Now I sound like Cartman doing the guitar. Screw you guys. Welcome everyone to another episode of Conversations with Shelby Green. I'm your host, the main man, Shelby Green. This is now my second attempt at recording this, and we are getting rocking and rolling, and we're going to do what we always do in this one, guys. So that being said, let's get right into it. Okay. That's how I said my second attempt. I screwed up a little bit with some editing process and actually ended up cutting the whole fucking show. So great. And by the way, if you're a first-time listener, I cuss on this show. And if you don't like it, you ain't got to listen to it. So don't listen to this around your kids unless your kids are mature enough to understand cuss words and understand that life isn't always peaches and cream and nice language and good old ways. But I'm different that way. Swig of Milo Zero Shoot. Swig of Show T when I walk about. That shit good, boy. All right. So back on the show, like always. I had a really good almost hour and a half show for you guys, and and I basically uh, basically I had that um, and plain and simple. I had that going on. I, I can't even talk. I'm sorry. I was writing some notes. Some no, notes, notes that I'm adding to the show. Plain and simple, guys. What had happened was I had decided that I was going to take a break from not only the podcast, social media. Now I will let you know. Every year at the end of the year, I'm going to take a break from social media, but I will continue doing the podcast. And the girlfriend runs the page anyway. That being said, um, I'm not going to go all in on why I took a break. Just, just know that I had some mentally, I had to get through some things and I took a break, but I'm back. I feel really good. I took two weeks off and it was nice. I originally planned to take off a whole month and I realized, you know what? I can't, I miss recording. So let's get right back into it. So happy new year. Happy holidays. Hope everybody had a good holiday. Mine was all right. I'm going to get into this right here and right now. This is where I say what I want to say about things. Everybody knows who I am and what I love, and I love Louisville Cardinal football especially. I love more than anything outside of my personal family, Louisville Cardinal basketball. And I'm fed up. I'm fed up with the media, and I'm fed up with this fan base. When I tweeted, before I put a tweet out, I said, holidays ruined, which I should not have put, by the way, because nothing was ruined by my holiday. Um, Holidays, excuse me. I tweeted before I took a took a break for social media. I see in 2024. I tweeted, I'm embarrassed to be a part of this fan base. A lot of people thought I was talking about the what was on the cordless sidelines. I died. No. December 21st, 2023. I have never been more disgusted or embarrassed to be a part of the Louisville Cardinal fan base because of what the fans did at the Yum Center. There was more blue in the Yum Center than there was red. Why? Because you don't like a certain coach and you refuse to support a team. Team didn't do anything to you guys, but not win some games. But you can't support them, right? Can't support them at all, but you want to kiss that ass, right? Kiss their ass and everything else when, you know, oh, welcome to Louisville, come become a legend. Everybody wants to say those things. 
The Louisville media has not stopped. You got guys like Drew Diener who's back on Twitter. Ugh, makes me want to vomit. Drew Diener putting out, imagine being more miserable being a Miami Dolphins fan and a Louisville Cardinals basketball fan. I don't know how more miserable is that you got drunk and beat your wife up one night, Drew. Just saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? I mean, you got arrested for it, didn't you, Drew? And you still have a job in Louisville Media. Why? Because you're the vice president of Louisville, Louisville Sports Media for ESPN. That's the reason why on time I listen to 93.9 is when Paul Rogers and Bob Alvano are calling games. Outside of that, I refuse to listen to him because of Drew Diener. I took a stand on that earlier this year. When that, mof- when that dude got back on Twitter, I said, nah, I'm good. Done. Nick Coffey. You know, Dennis Evans, a five-star recruit for Louisville, which we're going to get into him in a little bit. And and before I get into it, I'm going to say, Dennis Evans, if you hear this, um, I wish you nothing but the best, big fella. Keep your head up, and I hope your health gets better, man. I really do. Um, Dennis Evans came out and said that um, he can't, he is not medically cleared anymore to play for the Louisville Cardinals from health issues. Um, it's unfortunate, sad. Nick Coffey put out that he feels bad for the big fella. Then he quote tweets his own tweet and says, I'm pretty sure Jerry Eves will blame Chris Mack for this one. Making a lighthearted joke about that. Because Jerry Eves made a comment that players did more damage to the program. And Jerry Eves, who I'm not a big fan of at all. Not a big fan of at all. I think Jerry Eves is the biggest problem in the world. And I don't agree with what's going on. And that's a fact. What he's been saying, I don't agree with Jerry Eves or Butch Beard at all. But I don't agree with Nick Coffey and his little side-ass, sweet-ass comments he likes to make, too. Smart-ass comments, excuse me. Um, Nick Coffey continues to make these little comments, and I'm fed up with him. Sick of him. Can't stand him. And he's an asshole for what he does. Um, I am one of the people that just know he's basically, basically become a troll now, the way he think, comes things. I think he is, and I say what I say. He's a troll. Um... The media continues to make slight digs at everything. The Athletic put a bullshit-ass article out, which I don't believe at all. I don't believe everything I see about the Karan Davis situation and Kenny Payne's campaign and how the city's being destroyed and, you know, everybody around there's suffering for business and all this other stuff. You know, then you got people on the internet talking about all this shit, crazy shit and everything else. And I had a Louisville player message me the other day. And this is what was. Sorry about that. The little player messaged me about basically. I'm not going to give his name out. He said. He basically said how you know the fans have lost their way, but the way they're going about this, not attacking coaches, but attacking players. They got to remember that today's society with sensitivity and mental health, it matters. I'm not going to go into the whole verbatim what he said, but. If you're close to me and you want to see the message, you can see it yourself, but the guy's name will be not be mentioned in this because I trust the guy and he trusts me enough to message me and I appreciate that. That being said, I was on here today and I had notes I was going to talk about Louisville Cardinal football and I don't even want to do it because I'm so disgusted with the way things are. They'll talk about Brom and forget about the the, the four losses Brom dropped the three in a row and laying the egg, but, but we're not going to talk about that because he's won 10 games. And Kenny Payne is struggling mightily and has not gotten support at all. The fan base has turned their back on him. They've turned their back on the program. And I'm going to be honest with you, recruits are seeing this and they're not going to come here because of the way our fans are acting. Our fans are pathetic. I'm embarrassed to be a part of that. That's what I meant that night. People were bragging that there were more. UK was bragging about they had more fans in our own stadium. Doesn't that bother you guys? 
No, it doesn't bother because you go on there and say they need to fire him now. What nobody wants to talk about the eight million dollar buyout he has, the university does not have, and that's the problem. See, everybody wants to act like they know what's going on, but I've talked to people that are down there and know what's going on and are being open-eyed, not being one-sided. They don't have the money to fire the guy. His buyout gets smaller. Why would you not wait to the end of the year and then fire the guy? And it makes more sense. But no, once again, you guys want to drag this thing, thing, thing drag this out and not do your full research. Everybody wants to talk about there's a trend on Twitter. Hashtag Mick is the pick. Mick Cronin sucks. Well, he went to a Final Four. Yeah, and he's fucking 4-8 and eight as the coach at UCLA right now. Give me a break. And he's childish, and I don't want him in Louisville. Dusty May's been, remember about Dusty May? Oh, Dusty May, that's great. Uh, he'll be in Indiana in about three years. We all know that. He's a homer to Indiana. Uh, what's another one? Oh, Porter, uh, most reporter, whatever his name is for Oklahoma, one hit wonder. Don't trust it. I like Jerome Tang, but the way the fan base is going, I'm starting to turn away from him because they're ignoring some of his flaws. I mean, the guy's laid some eggs this year, man. And let's be honest, he got hot. He got hot at the right time last year, and ever since then, he's got a little. He's got a little steam going on, but he's gotten hot at the right time. So, are we going to take a sexy hire? Or do you really want to load up the truck into Waco, Texas and go get Scott Drew? Like I said, if you're going to fire Kenny Payne, you go get Scott Drew. That's the guy that you go get immediately. But once again, nobody, no, not a single person wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to point to, let's bring a Patino guy in. We had the crumb guy. Let's bring a Patino guy in. And you know, that's just the fan base being stupid and ignorant and want to divide things even more than what they are. And I'm going to say what I want to say. I feel I say, and I don't give a shit. There is something about the Yum Center being a ghost town. The biggest mistake Louisville Athletics ever did was moving out of Freedom Hall and going to the Yum Center. I know why they did it. Where's the student section at in the Yum Center? Why can't we have corners of the arena be student sections? Why? Because the Yum Center is all about making money. The city's all about making money. That's, why, that's one thing Kentucky does well with Rupp Arena. Look at their student section compared to ours. The football stadium's got a, got one because it's on campus, basically. But where, where is our student section at? Can we get that figured out, please? Even if you get them, even if you get them at the middle bowl or whatever behind, but why can we have fans behind the rims and at angles on the sidelines? Why do we have to have? Because let me be honest with you, we got seats and ticket holders and home tickets because I'm not going to go to the game because of I don't want Kenny Payne there. This is probably the same type of people to say things like, uh, for example, I don't know who called into the radio station. I think it was 93.9 and said, uh, I hope the program burns down like Breonna Taylor did. Or comments like, well, the West End is running Louisville and uh, Simmons University is, well, I'm from the West End of Louisville and I take offense to that bullshit right there. So what? what's that all about? Why? Because it's not J-Town or Tinseltown. Really? What's the what's the issue with that? Or Germantown? Why you gotta make fun of the West End of Louisville? What what's the point? Why do we do that shit? Why do we make fun? Why do we make fun of sections? I'm just saying dramatic. I'm not making fun of. Them. I'm just saying an example. Why? Because the West End's blue collar and it's it is the heart and soul of Louisville. Basically, I can't stand that. Why do we do that? Because the fan base wants ways what they're throwing a fit, they're throwing a little temper tantrum. You know what you if you know what you should do. I remember watching them those those young Cardinals go up to the uh, those young men went up to New York City, 
And Texas hit a last second shot and it probably broke us. Let's be honest. But nobody's talking about the fact that they were support and they got away from the Yum Center. They had played like dog, except for Coppin State, the win against Coppin State, and the win against um, Pepperdine. Louisville has not played well in the Yum Center at all this year. They haven't. And I'm going to make this real clear, and I'm going to be really hard-headed, and people can take me to task for this. If you expect me next year to go to a game in Cardinal Stadium for football, I'm not going. Because I don't want to be around that fan base. I don't want to shake hands with some members of the fan base. I don't even want to look fan, some of the fan base in the eye. And for the fans that say, oh, I might not even watch Mr. Cook, good. You're not a real fan if you don't support him. Bye. If you ain't a real fan, goodbye. Fuck you. We got nothing to talk about. Sorry. I'm not. I, I will. I'll go to a road game. I'll go to see him in South Bend when they play Notre Dame, or I might take a trip to Death Valley. Like I'm thinking about going to see him play Clemson. Outside of that, I ain't doing shit. I'm not going to the. I won't go to Cardinal Stadium. I refuse. I'm not going because it's not fair to the basketball team. I've been to two games this year. I bought money, my hard-earned money, to go to their games, and I watched them play twice. And I enjoyed it because they got a win and I was able to go there. And I had some conversations with some fans. I about punched a Louisville fan. I, well, I, sorry, not punched. I wanted to punch a Louisville fan that night for how a rude-ass drunk that was a pain in the ass. But that was different. I just get so fed up and tired of this shit, man. I'm fed up with the bullshit. I'm fed up with the drama. I want to talk about what Brom's doing to Portland. He's done a great job, but I'm not going to go in depth about it because I don't want to have the associate who posted it and broke the news because they're the ones that are making these little side-ass tweets. The little Twitter space thing I do. I talk with those guys all the time. I love those guys. They're good people. But there's got there's some ass clowns I like to get in there. I got a guy that I thought I got along with that blocked me because I made a comment about maybe we should move on. Maybe we shouldn't go in on Jerome Tang. And literally, the guy blocked me because I offended him. Okay, that's fine. You don't agree with me, that's fine. But if he comes here and he falls on his ass... Oh, I'm sure we're going to blame Kenny Payne for that. He ain't here no more because remember the portal? Everybody can win with the portal now. I don't know. I watched Ole Miss. Chris feared the beard everybody once. Got his ass kicked the other night at Ole Miss when he finally played somebody. Um, look at Earl Munslin. Had that great recruiting class last year. Didn't recruit well enough this year. Had to go to the portal. His teams came to fin the fucking pick and roll right. They got beat by 30 the other night by Auburn. So which one is it? Nate Oltz is struggling right now. The landscape of college basketball is different. Anybody can get beat. And that's the problem. Well, you can win all Mac with a portal. You also realize that you got to get guys together and get build chemistry. These guys are young, and you guys literally, literally have been ignoring that. People have been ignoring that. Look at Kenny Payne's luck this year. Has a top five recruiting class coming in the country. Trent Flowers leaves a week before the class starts. I believe it was a week before. Fucked him on that. Then Dennis Evans has his unfortunate issue. And then J.J. Trainer, Manuel for and Trey White all go down with injuries. And J.J. tries to rush back to play, ends up hurting his shoulder, and is out for the rest of the year. And people actually believe that Kenny Payne told Dennis Evans to leave. And Kenny Payne told Dennis Evans, uh, not Dennis Evans, uh, J.J. Trainer to sit out this year. But even though he was barred with a shoulder injury all year long because of the Karan Davis situation. Let me make this real clear about Karan Davis. I was optimistic on the kid, but let's be honest. Kenny should have never recruited him. Should have never given him a chance. And look what happened. Disciplining a kid, he throws a fucking fit wherever it happens and gets kicked off the team. Then he puts a statement out he's ready to come back. They don't allow him back on the team. 
And then they put a tweet out that he that he's going to transfer. They didn't make they dismissed him. Then Quran wants to be an ass and go out and say what he says on Twitter. And then they had to say, no, we dismissed him. That's what happened. It's a joke. It's a joke and a half. Plain and simple. It's a fucking joke and a half. Plain and simple. Look what happened. Then you turn around and J.J. Trainer gets hurt. He's out for the year. And people are questioning his health, his decision. J.J. Trainer, the guy that went through more bullshit than any other player in the recent global history. Coaches, athletic directors, everybody changing. And now all of a sudden he wants to leave. Now all of a sudden he doesn't want to play because of an injury. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You fucking idiots. Trey White, who people bash on Louisville fucking trashes, but I keep telling people he's really important. He handles the ball well. He helps us out. He rebounds. He plays hard. He's out for an injury. And Emmanuel Okafor, our backup big right now, he's out. And we can't win without him. I mean, what else do I need to point out that Kenny Payne has had no luck since he's gotten this job? How can you fire a man with this situation going on? He's got seven available scholarship players. We really don't have Hersey Miller, Aiden McCool, and and uh, um, Kenny Payne's younger son, uh, his kid. Payne, oh, I forget. Oh my God, Xavier Payne is out. Is I think it's what his name. I, his name escapes me. They are all all walk-ons. They're not on scholarship. Now I do agree. He's missed some bolts on some roster options. D'Lo Jovanovich. I haven't seen what I want to see. But people want to point out the finger that he shouldn't be on the floor. Um, Curtis Williams is a, a I think has got a lot of talent. But he's a freshman. He's going to make freshman say. I think offensively he's there. Defensively he's behind. Caleb Glenn, I think rebounding and defensively he's there. But he offensively he's a little challenged right now. Um, Brandon Huntley Hatfield has played well, except for the other night against um, against the other night against um, Pittsburgh. He, he didn't was a, he didn't play well at all. Didn't like that. Tyler Johnson. I'm on the border on back and forth on him. I think he's got a lot of talent, but I think. People say, well, he needs to be put on the bench. Well, where are you going to put him at? Because he, Kenny doesn't have anybody to sub him with right now. Because we're thin. Mike James plays hard. Sky Clark, I think, has a lot of talent. I think the 35KY meet, I'm calling them out for their little bullshit they did about how Sky had walked away from uh, Danny Mayne was getting some was getting something happen, was uh, walking away from something when it comes to find out. He was getting instructions from Dan to go get the blood wiped off on his jersey, and people want to point the finger at that. But then I, when I called out 35KY about it, and Sky refu- and they and Sky commented on their Instagram post and said what really happened. They didn't put nothing out. They said, "Well, send a clip." Like tagging me in the post, I said, "It's not a clip. Check your comments." Then they put it back and send a clip because they're too lazy to look. Then they realize an hour later, "Oh shit, he did comment in it. Let's put it on our, our thing now." Man, that, that, ooh, just fed up with this shit, man. The bullshit, that's bullshit that they do this. People have been blocked. I'm never going to block them again. I'm fed up, and I left social media for two weeks, and now I'm back on here arguing with people about it. Fed up with the crap, fed up with the bullshit. We deserve better. I get the fans deserve better, but not acting like this. I remember when Indiana 15 years ago was going through their bullshit, and they were still selling out Assembly Hall every year. But, you know, we can't afford to go to Yum Center. Yeah, bullshit. Everywhere you go is expensive. You got season tickets and sell your season tickets. Make some money. Well, I don't want to give up my season tickets. And what are you holding on for them for? Go to the fucking game. I'm going to support Kenny Payne. 
I'm going to support him until he's no longer the coach at the University of Louisville. And if you can't respect my decision, you ain't got to like me. You ain't got to talk to me. But I'm going to support the guy. If it don't work out, it don't work out. And I'm rooting my ass off for the guy. We can't keep changing through coaches. You need stability. Everybody wants to, you know, Jeff Goodman wants to run his mouth about about him, but he's got a quitter that works on the State of 68 podcast from time to time called Chris Mack who quit on this fucking program, but that will take his credibility over everybody. Josh Hurd will make the decision when it comes down. If Kenny Payne wins 10 to 12 games this season, he's going to get his, he'll get a third year. And everyone was probably about the $8 million. Well, the, the buyout, they could have bought him out earlier this year. Well, bald-headed Justin Saffaro wants to say Herd's endorsing this. No, they don't have the $8 million. And as I'm banging my fist on the table, to get it done. That's the problem. Because the alumni and boosters are not going to give up yet. God, man, I just get so irritated with this fucking fan base. Seriously, man. Plain and simple, man. I just don't agree with it, and I will continue not to agree with it. Let's get a little college football talk going on. College football game, championship game was last night. Um, thank God's going to 12 teams. I want to point that out. Thank God. But besides that, took a day off from work. Uh, decided uh, with the little man's basketball practice. Little man's getting a little bit better. I mean, he's got a long, he's got a little ways to go, but he's getting better at some things, and there's some things he's work on. But he's young and he's working. But um, when came home, watched a little bit of the first half, but got to watch the whole entire second half. And I got to admit, um, I'm not very fond of what happened, but I will state this about the college football championship game. If anything could go wrong for Washington in that second half, it did. You start off, you get a little moment, you go down 17-10 to 10 in the first half, got a little moment, get the ball back. First play of the game, Phoenix, Michael Phoenix gets a little pressure on him. He throws a, a ball up high, gets picked off. Um, they give up the Washington defense stand, give up three points. Then you come back down to the second half. You haven't made a play over 20 yards through the air. You get one final of 35 yards. You get called back from a holding. Then later in the game, when Michigan gets a big run, goes up two touchdowns, you got the ball back. You got a chance to get in within single digits of the game. And then you turn around. And then you turn around and. You throw – Phoenix throws a live round up in the air, a live ball, excuse me, and it's basically a P.I. on Michigan, which gets called, but there's a holding on the opposite call, resets down, and then Michigan – and then the ball, fourth 10, ball goes up. Phoenix gets hit with a shot, ball goes flat, getting the game basically. Michigan was the better team. They were more physical up front, just like I thought with Alabama. Uh, Harbaugh's best job. Um, congratulations to the University of Michigan win national championship. I'm excited for the 12-team playoff next year. Can't wait. Uh, hopefully Louisville's in that conversation. That being said, uh, what can I talk about that I need to talk about? Everybody's pointing the finger that Michigan cheated. Here's my thing, guys. People have been stealing signs for years. Not condoning it, but everybody does it. So why are we making a big deal about it now? Because it's come to light. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Because and I, here's another thing. If you're going to have Michigan... Give the keep their national championship in NCAA to keep their t- national championship. That's fine. So nothing happened to Kansas when they won a national title. But that 2013 Louisville Cardinal team, I think the banner should be put up for that, don't you think? Oh well, they had help win national title. Yeah, having some strippers or pro or strippers on campus or wherever they whatever wherever the uh, strippers prostitute whatever it was on campus is really gonna help a guy hit a jump shot. When the guys who were really recruiting did not even recruit. Did not even commit to the University of Louisville, 
or we're already committed to the University of Louisville. Come again? So how does that help with recruiting, I wonder? But I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I think I know what I'm talking but I know what I'm talking about. Um, the playoff. I know some guys on Barstool Sports were running around. Brandon, uh, Brandon Wall. The uh, I think his name is Brandon Waller. I think it's Walker. His name, but they said his name wrong. He's a uh, Mississippi State fan. I mean, he was throwing a fit, throwing a fit about um, last night the game sucked. Well, I get it, man. I mean, you're not used to. Um, I don't think the game sucked. A lot was a physical football game. I think Michigan was just overpowering up front. I mean. Georgia probably would have done a great job. You say, fuck Georgia for losing to a shitty-ass uh, Alabama team. Well, here's my thing. Michigan and Ohio, Alabama went to overtime, so I don't get your knowledge. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can talk about the Mississippi State National Championships they won. Oh, wait, you can't. That's right. He's a Mississippi State fan. I mean, he's got Dax, Dak Prescott to celebrate. That's about it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I am I enjoyed taking the day off the day, the day off to watch it. But at the same time, I just think that um, I just think we got a, a long way to go in college football. We're getting this thing right because I think the transfer portal is actually hurt. College football is hurting college basketball because of the way the portal sets up for their thing, for their their system. And I think they need to. I think there should be some guidelines they need to fix. They need to fix it. If not, it's going to get really bad. And uh, hopefully, we we get a better bowl. Hope the twelve team playoff game gives some more light on these bowls. It really does. And I had in my notes EA Sports College football video game talk, and there was nothing to talk about except for the EA Sports dropped the ball again. We were supposed to get something last night was leaked out that we were going to find something out tonight, and nothing came out about it, nothing whatsoever. And I'm done with EA Sports. I had a nervous that, well, if they drop something, if college football comes out, I'll buy a man this year. I'm making it clear. With or with NCAA football's release, I'm never buying a man again. After last night, I'm done. They they made this announcement in 2021. It was going to happen. It was coming back. Now it was going to be for 2023. They pushed it back to 2024. And once again, still nothing. Nothing. If they announce it's being pushed back again, then I promise you one thing, and I mean this wholeheartedly. If this happens again, I the game's never going to be released. It'll never happen. And I'll never buy another football game for me sports again. This is bullshit. College football fans and basketball fans have suffered for a long time without getting a game. They have suffered. The time has got to stop. We got to get this done. Fans want it. Let's go, guys. Like get this shit together. Yeah, get this shit figured out, please. You don't realize how many how much millions of millions of dollars you're missing out on because you're not putting this out there. Get it fucking done. Who, excuse me. NFL, we got the wild card weekend coming up, and here we go. I'm going to run it down. First game of the season, the Cleveland Browns take on the Houston Texans. Houston's hosting the game since they won their division. Cleveland's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. will be on 430 this Saturday on NBC. I'm going to roll with the Houston Texans. I think the Houston Texans pull off the upset. I think they get a big, a big win here. And I also think that... Cleveland's offense has been suspect that they can't run the ball well enough, and I think the Texans get the win. I think they get the win. C.J. Stroud is money, and I think they get a win. I think Houston, Cleveland's defense is good enough, but I just think Houston wins. The third game that night, eight o'clock on Peacock, Kansas City versus the uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Dolphins. I gotta roll with I gotta roll with Kansas City on this. I think even though Kansas City's offense has been suspect, I think their defense is good enough to get some stops. 
I'm a Tua Tungaloa fan, but he has struggled. And I think it's just going to happen, man. I think they're going to drop the ball here. And I think Kansas City and Miami struggling real bad. I think Miami, Kansas City gets the win. Sunday, baby. My Pittsburgh Steelers are going to Buffalo, New York, to take on the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo's a 10-point favorite. It's going to be on CBS that Sunday on the 14th. I'll make this really clear to you guys. I don't think that Steelers are a 10-point underdog. It came out today. Mason Rudolph is starting. I'm rolling with it while it's hot. Uh, TJ Watt is out, so it hurts. I'm going to make this clear. Do I think Buffalo is a 10-point favorite? No. Do I think they should be a favorite? Absolutely. Do I think they're going to blow the Steelers out? No. Do I think the Steelers are going to compete? Yes. Do I have a prediction for the score? No. Because I can see the Steelers actually turning the ball, making Josh Allen turn the ball over and getting and get some scores early and run the ball getting ahead. I can see it. But it's going to be a tight game. It'll be a three- to five-point game, and I think the Steelers can squeeze off. They can run the ball, not turn it over, and force turnovers. We got a chance. I'm calling this is an upset right here. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to go on the road and beat the Dallas Cowboys. I really believe it. I just got a feeling, man. Choke job is coming for Dallas. They're the number two seed in the NFC, but I just got a feeling, man. And if that happens, Mike McCarthy loses the Packers, Mike McCarthy will be out of a job by that morning. He will. And I'm not going to do anybody get fired, but it just it is what it is. The Rams versus the Lions. This is a game that a lot of people are talking about. I'm going over with the Detroit Lions. I think Matt Stafford is going to come out with the Rams and play really well. The Rams' defense isn't the best, but I think Detroit can run the ball and get ahead with Gibbs and Montgomery, and I think it'll be a good game. And then Monday, I think the Lions win. And Monday, the Eagles, who are 1-5, are struggling. They go up on the road to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won the division NFC South. the NFC South. Here's my thing. I think Baker Mayfield has had a hell of a season and a resurgence in his career, and I'm happy for Baker. I am. That being said, I think Philly will win this game, but I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think Jalen Hurts is healthy. I think they're having issues. But I will roll with the fact, and I'm going to sit there and say that I think Tampa Bay will give this game away with a turnover, a penalty, a costly error. Something happens, and Philly takes advantage and wins the game. I think it will be a close game. And I think that's what we're with. That's my predictions. Um, that being said, the co- the NFL coaching fire. And before I get started on these, the NFL coaching fire and thing that's starting, I'm going to make this clear. about. I'm going to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. This podcast, I live in Greenwood, Indiana, which is a suburbia of Indianapolis. Um, I make this real clear. Colts fans are all – the Colts fans can be some of the worst fans in, in football, the way they act. Um – Pointing a finger and blah, 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 this and that. Minshew, you suck, blah, blah, blah. Well, Minshew's a backup quarterback for a reason, and he was there. Um, Minshew made the throw on fourth down. It was off all night against the Texans. Godson dropped the ball. He dropped the ball. It's always the same thing. It's either wide left, wide right, overhead, too low for Minshew every time he throws the ball. But nobody's talking. That's the big main thing. But nobody's talking about their corners getting blitzed. The corners got destroyed against the Houston Texans. Nobody's talking about that. CJ TJ uh, CJ Stroud was twenty one of twenty seven from the field. That's unexcusable. You can't let that happen. You cannot let that happen. Uh, Jonathan Taylor played well. He should have been on the last series. I agree. But they were ready, and he ran the ball well. But come on, man. Let's be honest. 
Colts went nine and eight, went from a went from the number four draft pick to having a nine and eight season. And here's another thing: I can't stand a fan a fan base we're putting out the you know Colts fans putting out the fan base like, well, there goes our chances of getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Whatever win we get, like, what is the point of tanking to win when you can't even win? Like that's coaches get fired for that. You can't keep doing that. You got to win. Stability matters. You know, I keep you know I was talking to a, a Jaguars fan the other day, a fan, a buddy of mine. He texted me. I said. Let me know next week when the Jaguars play. And he goes, well, Lawrence was healthy. I said, healthy? There's a difference right there between Doug Peterson and Mike Tomlin. As much shit Mike Tomlin does, Mike Tomlin's had a bunch of guys on the IR and has had three different quarterbacks. He still won 10 games, went six, went 5-1, the toughest division in pro football. Yes, the AFC North is the toughest division, division in pro football and ain't even close. He got that done with the injuries and everything else and got in the playoffs. So, next man up, Doug Peterson sitting there firing his coaching staff because he's desperate because he knows his ass is on the line. He's got to change something. I mean, the Colts went 9-8 and with the injuries they had. I mean, that's something to be proud about. Why are you – we ain't going to get a high enough draft pick. Well, that I mean, tough shit, guys. I mean, not everything's going to go your way, but, hey, you got something to talk about. Like, hey, man, how about this? Man, we were really a down away from making the playoffs and making some noise. We were so close to pulling this off, and it didn't happen. There's nothing wrong with that. Houston was ready. They had a better game. It is what it is. The Colts need to go get another receiver to go around with Don, with Downs and uh, Pittman. They need a tight end, and they need some corners. And they might need another linebacker. And they just need Anthony Richardson to stay healthy because if he stays healthy, the world is his, I think. And now we also got to talk about this, too. The NFL coaching firing is beginning. The Washington Commanders have hired, uh, have fired Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera's, a, I think Ron Rivera's time has passed. I think he just needs to retire. It's time. Ron Rivera got fired in Washington. Um, they have, our Washington's already requested to interview the offense coordinator and defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. I think it's a smart move. Um, Brandon Staley was fired weeks back by the Chargers. Thank God. A guy was should have been fired last year against Jacksonville. The team quit on him. Um, I really hope, and I'm, this is a segment. I actually, I'll talk about this at the end of it. Um, Mike Vrabel was fired today by the Tennessee Titans. I don't agree with that at all. I think that's a crock of shit, to be honest with you. You fire a guy like that because he had one bad season when the organization basically fucked him when they trade A.J. Brown on on draft day. You fire the guy. Rumors are circulating already that he's going to be in New England if Belichick walks away or resigns or fires or whatever. I think the Chargers and the Atlanta Falcons would be a good option for him. Arthur Smith got fired by the Atlanta Falcons. Went 7-9 three straight years. I understand why. I would love to see... Mike Vrabel with the Chargers or with um, with um, with um, the uh, Atlanta Falcons, I think it'd be a better job than going to New England. I know it's a the higher former Patriot coming back, but I don't think you want that. I don't think that job is what Vrabel needs. Vrabel needs to go somewhere where he can win immediately, and I think the Chargers and the Falcons he can before the New England job. I think he can. Um, Carolina is a no no for that. I think Carolina is a mess. I don't think anybody. I think anybody should stay away from that. Um. Another thing I want to say, if the the so the Tennessee Titans firing Vrabel, it's funny they'll fire Mike Vrabel after four years, but they'll keep Jeff Fisher for almost a quarter of a century. And I say it joking because he wasn't there long, but it felt like it. And how many winning seasons did the guy have? Like, come on, man! Like, what the fuck? That being said, um, with the firing thing over with, I want to talk about Antonio. Antonio Pierce for the the uh, Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. They're the Las Vegas, but they're always the Raiders. The man went 
when he took the job, he had a he got a winning record out of the Raiders, turned that pro that whole franchise around. Mark Davis does not do a lot of things right as an owner. I mean, he's, look at the guy's haircut for God's sakes. <laughs> but I will say this: if the man's smart, Antonio Pierce deserves a three or four year contract, and you give him the chance. You let him bring in his guys because he really believes in. I think they're going to get the right quarterback. I think Ed O'Connell's decent, but I think he's a backup. They're probably going to go get Jaden Daniels like everybody thinks they're going to get, and I think they're going to roll that way. The Raiders had a hell of a year with him, and they were really close to making the playoffs. They were really close. So if the Raiders are smart, they'll give him the job. I would give that man the job right here, right now, and immediately. That's what I would do wholeheartedly, get that man the job. Wholeheartedly, please. Before I get into anything else, I want to make this real clear. You, There is a Google Docs form on the conversation with Shelby Green's Facebook page, a Twitter page. Send your questions there. I'll answer them next week on the show. We're back to opening questions. I have some promotions to talk about. And also, I am working with Zoom as well, trying to figure out a Zoom way, the Zoom account, so that way I can have people on the podcast and we can have a simultaneous conversation to make it work. And I think it'll be a great idea to get more guests on here because I know you guys only hear me talk all the time. So we're going to work on that too. So I want to do that note. And also I want to point this out. Um, I Next week on the show, I'm going to make a little side preview that I'm going to be dropping my, t- my, my top 10 most in- anticipated films to watch. January is weird. Not a lot of great films come out in January. February is one thing. Mid-February is when people start kicking up with films. But my top 10 things to watch and talk about and also, we're going to talk about uh, my top five to ten horror films I'm looking forward to because everybody knows me knows I love horror films. And I have a little sum on the end I'm going to talk about as well that we're going to speak on, and it's going to get rock and roll from that. All right. So, we got some pro wrestling to talk about. Everybody knows me a little love some pro wrestling. The Rock returned on day one the other night, and I got to admit, I was excited to see The Rock. Rock came out, laid out Jinder Mahal, and... The Rock literally went out and did his thing and cut a promo after the show. Goes He goes out. It was in San Diego, obviously. And I thought The Rock was back because, you know, the United Football League's coming up, the USFL and XFL, they, they merged together. And I thought maybe he was going to talk about that promoter. I'm like, okay, that's why he's back. Then he gets on the microphone and says, I'm a little hungry. So The Rock sit at a booth, a bar, or at the head of the table, and the crowd exploded, including me. I had a big smile on my face. I looked at my girlfriend. I said, Brandy, you realize what that just means, right? He's coming for Roman Reigns. The Royal Rumble's coming up, and who who are my two picks for the Rumble to win? For the women's side, I'm going to roll with Bailey, and the men's side, I'm going to roll with CM Punk. Now, how would you book? How would you book it? Now, what would you do? Now, here's my thing. I had a couple booking ideas to set up some matches and angles, and here's what I'm going to do for the I'm going to do with the Royal Rumble. I'm going to do the thing. The first thing was the three-headed monster for the Universal title with Roman Reigns, The Rock and Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes finished the story. This is what I would do. This is my and this is my idea. You can run with it, but this is what I would do. I'm going to take a sip of this uh tea real quick. Zero sugar, mild zero sugar sweet tea, delicious. And by the way, I also went on when I went on my highest, I went on a diet. And I am 10 pounds down now. I am at 140, at 249 pounds. I was 259 when I started. I'm the carnivore diet. I feel really good. My energy is really good. And I've been running like crazy too. 
Energy's great, and I've quit energy drinks as well. I haven't had energy drinks since Saturday morning. So Sunday, Monday, and going on Tuesday, I have almost three full days without energy drink. I'm very proud of myself for that. Steps with this. I know they say zero sugar on them, but the caffeine is still 300 milligrams of caffeine substitutes for the sugar. Now, back to what I was talking, booking. Royal Rumble, I would have the Rumble, the main, the men's Rumble main events to show. And I would have the final four. You can figure the plug any fourth man in there, but Cody, Rock, Punk. Those are the three, Okay. All everybody's centered around who is it going to be. Who is now? You got Cody and Roman who are tied to to um, to um, Cody and Roman are tied to Roman. Cody and Rockers tied to Roman. And let's throw Drew McIntyre having the fourth, and have Cody and Drew as the other two tied. Or I'm sorry, uh, Punk and Drew tied to Raw with the, the whole World Championship. So you got two guys basically tied. I would have McIntyre be eliminated by Punk. Tease that little angle that they teased on Raw this past Monday night. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I would have Rock somehow eliminate Cody, and I would have Punk and Rock in the, in the middle, and I would have Rock and somehow tangle up, and Punk dumps Rock somehow, some way, in a way where it makes sense. And I would have Rock acknowledge that Punk got him or whatever. Acknowledge. And um, plain and simple. I would have the next night on Raw, Punk announced, I'm going after Seth Rollins. And then you get him and Drew McIntyre in the, um, him and Drew McIntyre have their little feud, and they go to Elimination Chamber and have their match at the pay-per-view, okay? Then you have the Rock and Cody issue. They make an announcement, the Elimination Chamber is going to be headlined, not by a men's, it's going to be a women's match, and I would put Rhea Ripley in that, if we're going to go this way. This is what you do, Rock and... Let's say Roman don't work Elimination Chamber. Okay? So, Rock's going to go one-on-one with, with Cody. The winner gets a shot at the Universal Championship against Roman Reigns. Or you make it the six-way Elimination Chamber match and Cody and Rock are in it. Cody and Rock are our last two men in. And Cody has, and I'll have this finish where Cody hits a disaster kick on the Rock, hits a Cody cutter if that. If that instead, he goes with crossroads, he goes hook, rock spins him out, hits the rock bottom, quick cover, one, two, three. Cody is defeated, rock's going to WrestleMania. All right. So the rock shows up at WrestleMania, and he's going to main event night two with Roman. Make no mistake about it, night one will be headlined by Punk and Seth, but night two, this is what I would do. Everybody thinks Roman, rock's going to be the one. Nope. Roman somehow, someway beats the Rock in the middle of the ring with a spear. One, two, three. Roman retains. Fast forward, must down. Money in Banks in Toronto. I know a lot of people say Candace, Sami Zayn should do it. F that. Cody wins Money in the Bank. Now, next down on Raw, Cody Rhodes is not on Raw. He's on Raw, right? But he's not on Raw. Well, I would have segments where Adam Pearce is on the phone talking with somebody. And you hear him say, well, Nick, we can negotiate that. Talking about, giving a hint like, and now I have the announcers plug it up like, Nick, what are you talking about? Friday night on SmackDown, Roman's outside goes, I don't have an opponent for SummerSlam. Who wants to face the tribal chief? And all of a sudden, Cody Rhodes walks out. Now Roman's panicking, but Cody comes out with a briefcase in his hand. No referee, just a suit on. And he comes out, he gets in the ring, and he goes, I come in here not to fight. I'm just going to let you know what's going to happen. 
I let Nick Aldis know back there while him and Adam were talking on the phone the other night. So now the crowd, and you can hear the crowd start buzzing because they'll know what's going on. Trust me, they'll, they'll start buzzing. And Cody goes, I'm going to walk in to, I believe what they're going to be at. Either it's going to be where the Guardians play at or the Browns play in Cleveland, wherever stadium that is. I'm going to walk in that night to SummerSlam. I'm going to cash this in for SummerSlam, and I'm going to get my shot at the world title finally. And the crowd explodes. And we have a face-off with Cody him going face-to-face. And Roman goes, well, all right, whatever. The next week, you build it up, do what you want to do. That, And I would do it right after Money in the Bank. Give yourself the shit right into SummerSlam. Finally, Cody gets his win. He beats Roman. And now you can go with Cody now. Since he's that champion, he shows up on Raw the next night says, I've got to go to SmackDown. It's been great, Raw. And he walks out, and he's going to Raw on SmackDown. Okay. What does that do for Roman? Well, here's what you do for Roman. Roman on SmackDown. Cody Rhodes up the show. You close the show out with, with Solo and Jimmy beating the living shit out of Roman, leaving Roman Lane, and have... And I thought, you want to do this? It might not make sense, but why not have Cody run out as a babyface with a chair and a bat and, and run off the bloodline? Run him off. Roman is taken out. And now Cody has the continuation with the bloodline, or you don't even do the Cody run-in. The bloodline runs on its own course, and Cody can work with Orton, work with guys on SmackDown. And then Roman, by the beginning of the Royal Rumble, he comes back and he has that run with the bloodline, and you have him work what he wants to has has his run, and I think that would be great. That's the way you do it, in my opinion. Now, what would I do? And I got booking ideas. I had idea, but ideas because this is going to be a little bit long. This is going to be a pretty good segment. I want you guys to hear this out on this one. <clears throat> For Punk and Rollins. Now, I already made a statement about Punk. Punk goes in, doesn't lose. He goes on the ring with, with Rollins. I mean, night one, tearing the house down, 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 tearing it down. I would do this. Back and forth, false finish, false finish. Punk somehow within 20, 25 minutes of the match, he hits that check kick he likes, that little side kick. He knocks Rollins down, but, but Punk falls down. All of a sudden, Damien's Priest music hits. Or Priest comes through the crowd. And cashes in his Money in the Bank contract. And I would have not just one member of the Judgment Day. I would have Rhea down there. I would have Rhea. Or I would have Rhea. Um, I would have Rhea. Or not even Rhea. But I would have the men's like. Because I got a plan for Rhea here in a minute. I would have Finn, Dominic, and JD all down there. And I would have. They finally cash in successfully. Triple threat match. Somehow, some way. Punk or Rollins knock Priest off. The Judgment Day gets in because it's a triple threat match. There's no disqualifications in triple threat match, so you can get away with it. Punk knocks one guy down, knocks one guy, but Rollins knocks Punk off. It's let have Punk on the apron, and like Punk flies and either hits the guard, the the barricade, or a announce table knocks down. Rollins turns around. Priest quickly grabs a briefcase. He hits Rollins in the hits Rollins with it. Throws it out or hits him with the belt or something. Rollins goes down. Priest picks him up. He hits the razor's edge or the south of heaven and chokes him. One, two, three. And Priest is your new world heavyweight champion because you don't want to beat Punk right away. So now you take Priest, who wins it. Okay. The Judgment Day has the belt, has that world title now. And then you turn around. Now you give Punk the out. Well, I had Rollins down. 
and I had the match win, but Rollins says, wait a minute, we were both down. You didn't have me beat. I took care of the hand. Now you get both of them and out. And that feud can continue in triple threat ways with Prump, Punk, with Priest, or you don't need the world title. Like I think that feud doesn't know. You can have an animosity feud where both guys go back and forth. That's what I do. Priest and the Judgment Day can have their little run, and eventually we can see the, the Judgment Day turning on Priest and Priest having that heel run, that baby face run like everybody thinks he's going to have. And that's what we lead to that. Now let's talk about the women's championships. What would I do with that? Everybody thinks Nia Jax going to win the Rumble. I think Bailey would, like I said, I would go with Bailey. This is what I would do. Bailey and Nia Jax are the final two girls in the Rumble. Somehow, some way, Nia Jax gets eliminated. Bailey wins the Rumble. Somehow, some way, it happens. Okay. This is what I do. Bailey goes on SmackDown. She announces, "I don't know what I'm going to do." You find out before they accept the match for the Elimination Chamber. They they plug. What is Bailey going to do? Who is she going to pick? And she shows, and I would do the segment where, similar to what they did with Batista and Triple H, but not in that way, where you plug where you hear what ju- the damage control has been saying about Bailey. And Bailey turn, and they turn, and Bailey announces, I'm going after you, EO, and I'm taking your championship. I brought you guys together, and I'm going to be the one to stop damage control. And I would do some where Damage Crow was beating up on Bailey, and Bianca Belair shows up, and she runs in, makes a save. Maybe Sasha Banks returns at the Rumble. She returns and she's going to have Bailey's back. Now you go to WrestleMania. And I would have their match probably on night two for the Rumble. And I would have them open up night two of Mania with that match. And I would have Bailey beat Elo Sky for the Women's Championship on SmackDown and run that. The women's side with Rhea Ripley. What do I do with Rhea Ripley? Do I take the belt off or do I what? They've teased Nia Jax and her working together. That's not going to happen. Everybody's been saying that her and Becky Lynch is going to happen at WrestleMania. Here's what I would do. What if we did this? What if we don't get Nia Jax and Rhea? What if we don't even get Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch? What if we do this? What if Jay Cargill shows up in the Royal Rumble and doesn't win it but has an oppressive standing? What if at the Elimination Chamber, if Rhea's not defending it, what if we have that six women's Elimination Chamber match and we can have Rhea work with Becky or Nia and have Jake Cargill win the women's Elimination Chamber. She goes to WrestleMania and she's the one that finally defeats Rhea Ripley after a year and a half of not losing. Rhea gets pinned one, two, three. She finally loses. Finally loses to to um <clears throat> excuse me finally loses her women's championship to not to Jay Cargill. You want to talk about bringing in a phenomenon like Jay Cargill, but in my opinion they probably won't do that. I would like to see it, but what I would do is have her work with Becky or Nia at Mania and have her win and have Rhea continue on her role cuz she's hot right now. You can't get rid of her. So that's what I would do. Now for other matches. Jimmy and Jay Uso have to work against each other. And I would put them not in a... Nobody wants to see them wrestle. People want to see them have a fight. Put them in a cage. Put them in a street fight. Put them in a match where people get behind them. And I would have Jay get the win and have Jay take off on his singles run. That's what I would do. For Gunther, the Intercontinental Champion. Obviously for the U.S. title before I get... We're going to get Logan Paul versus L.A. Knight. That's going to happen. 
but for the unit for the uh, <clears throat> for the for that match between LA for uh, Gunther and Brock Lesnar, that's where everybody's been talking about. This is what I how I would start this. Gunther and, and Premier in the Rumble, and I would have Gunther enter the match early, but not early like he did last year. I mean, it was phenomenal what Gunther did last year, even though he didn't lose. But Gunther comes in, and he's in the Rumble with Premier, and I would have him kind of stand in the ring there proud, and all of a sudden, say like number fucking 23 or 24, Brock Lesnar's music hits. And Brock shows up and he fucking cleans house and he takes out Imperium and then he's face to face with Gunther and I would have Gunther chop Lesnar. Lesnar just look at him, shake his head. Gunther goes for again. Brock kind of backs down, staggers, and Gunther goes for another chop. Brock blocks it, moves out of the way of the chop. He and I would have Brock like duck. Gunther hits the ropes and Brock clothesline gets rid of Gunther and Gunther's on his ass like he don't know what happened. Then you go to Australia. Gunther can't work Australia, so you have a pyramid over there. Gunther sends a word in that um, it's going to be a pyramid in a two-on-one versus Lesnar. If Lesnar wins, he gets Gunther at WrestleMania. And Brock beats him, and they go to Mania. Now, everybody thinks, well, is Brock going to be the one to defeat him? I don't see Brock being that one because I think Jey Uso is the right guy to end Gunther's reign as IC champ, in my opinion. Or Sami Zayn. I wouldn't mind Sami Zayn. wouldn't mind Sami Zayn. And that's what I would do. What would now that Cody is not going to be in the main event for my WrestleMania? What would I do with Cody? I would put him in a ring with Drew McIntyre and have them have a match. That's what I would do because I think there's money down the line with, with Cody with the world title going after um, going after um, <clears throat> going after um, gosh Almighty going after um, uh, Orton and Cody as a babyface. That's what I would do. So those are the, the the basic six, seven matches I would base everything around. And that's what I would roll with. Um, yeah. Just some ideas I thought of. I ha- I wasn't going to talk about AEW, but I was going to announce now that, and I'm going to make this clear, January 28th, the day after the Royal Rumble, I will have a special edition podcast drop. It will be a special edition podcast that I will promote. It will basically be just a review of the Royal Rumble. And I'm going to do that with every major, like we're now with TNA making their return from Impact TNA. I'm going to start doing with Hard to Kill, like the night at Watt night. And I think they they had their pay-per-views on a Friday night. I'll probably wait till Saturday, watch the pay-per-views on Saturday, and then re- drop it Sunday morning. Like that, that makes sense. But the Rumble happens on Saturday, Sunday morning will be released. And AEW, same thing. I'll watch it live that night. I will record that night after the event. And then I will go the following weekend. WrestleMania night one and night two. Here's what I'm going to do. That night one and night two, I'm not going to have it on one show. It's just too long of a show, and I think it would be better if I separate. So what I would do is night one, I would drop the night after night one, obviously, and night two will be on Monday. And then the Wednesday, the following show on Wednesday, and I might push shows back since it will be that, that close a time. Since I gave you two shows, I might drop one on Wednesday or Thursday instead of th- on Thursday instead of Wednesday that week because of just the time strains. That's what I'm pro- I'm gonna do more than likely, and I'm gonna have full notes. I'm gonna go step by step of match after match, and I'm gonna have my journal. I'm gonna write down every note of things I'm gonna do. And speaking of AEW, that I would like to announce here's a good thing. I came on here announced good things like they announced that Sting's last match at AEW Revolution Greensboro Coliseum is so- going to be sold out. I'm happy with that. And then I get on Twitter. 
while I'm trying to figure out how to edit my last podcast and end up deleting the fucking thing, Tony Khan embarrassed himself once again. Tony Khan made a tweet out that gender, they were making a comment about how Jinder Mahal is going to get a one-on-one world title shot against Rollins next Monday night on Raw. And Collins and Khan made a smart-ass comment and made a say it's a double standard. Hook had a 28-1 career record on winning streak, called out the champ, a logical challenge, sparks online outrage. Jinder has literally lost every single match he's in for the past year, immediately gets a title shot, wears a rage, AW die night tomorrow on TBS. That is Tony Khan, the CEO of All Elite Wrestling. Also, how childish is that? Tony, can you grow the fuck up, please, really? Are you that fucking sensitive? Dude, you're the fucking booker. You're a booker and an owner of a major wrestling te- uh, company that's on a national television station. You got four, three shows on cable television. Dynamite on Wednesdays. Friday, Rampage, that's taped, which I can't fuck. I hate Rampage. And Saturday, Collision, which is a better show. And you're doing shit like this? And by the way, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I thought it was fucking hilarious with the curse of the terrible towel that happened to them. They turned around and made uh, little comments. Uh, they put out their, their, their tickets were already on sale. And then the WWE put their little Kurt Angle gift out on their Twitter page, which is childish, but it's not this man Triple H doing it. It's the CEO of a company. Now, I know people made that little comment about Triple H, made a little comment about how it's um, that that he made a comment about, um, you know, secondary company on the Cody Rose document people got pissed off about. But it was what he said. It's true. They're a secondary company to the WWE. Like, do you want to be, like, you want to be known where it's at? So, Tony Khan, grow the fuck up. My God, like, dude, you're fucking embarrassing people when you do this shit. When you do shit like that, it's fucking embarrassing. You can't do shit like that and do that crap. It makes no sense. Why would you sit there and do that? Oh, God, Tony, like, you're, you, dude, you're making an ass of yourself. You really are, man. You really are. Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge, the radar superstar, was on Busted Open today. And he made a comment because people were talking about Griff Garrison having the ring with him. And this is what Edge said on Busted Open. I'm going to restart it real quick. And Bust Open is with Dave Garza and Bully Ray. And I think Bully Ray should be a booker for any promotion right now. Listen to this. And this is where I stand on things. It's not about, you know, the five-star matches, which seems to be implanted in a lot of younger wrestlers' brains right now. How difficult is it to, to show them, hey, this is about storytelling now? I don't even know what a five-star match means. Like, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> uh, you, you know what I mean? Like... What, what does that mean? And if I'm being judged by people who have never taken a bump, then I don't care. You can't have match of the year every night. It's not sustainable. It's not possible. And I feel like the habit is to just do more moves to try and accomplish that. And somewhere in there, the story can get left behind. And to me, the story is always the most important. If you are able to hook the audience onto your character. And the way you do that is with these two things, right? So if you can hook them on that, they're going to care that much more about the moves I do. You know, and, and I look at a guy like Kill Switch who can do a moonsault off the top rope to the floor. 
after this, he's going to realize when to do that. And it's going to be at all in in Wembley Stadium. And it's going to get that much bigger of a reaction because now they're starting to care about a character in a mask, by the way. And all he has to do is turn his head or shrug his shoulders a couple times. And I've been, you know, telling him, dude, less is more. And that's part of the reason why with the, the whatever we're going to call it, the Cope Open, the Cope and the Copeland Open, I don't know. I want to work a bunch of young talent. Can you please educate the wrestling fans as to why Adam Copeland would spend five minutes in a ring with Griff Garrison? Because long after I'm gone, Griff Garrison will be there. If he can get in there and we have five minutes of, of time in there, I feel like he can learn more in that five minutes than he would in probably 200 matches with people of the same experience. It's not about, you know, the five-star matches, which... Where are the lies? Where are the lies? That's a guy that's drawing money for 20 years. His headline WrestleMania sold out arenas, sold 100 million, 100, I mean, 100 million, millions of dollars in merchandise. He's right. See, everybody wants to have these great five-star matches, but it don't mean a damn thing. You're selling out a little small arena when he, Griff Garrison, have you seen the guy? Long hair, he's about 6'3", 6'4", he's got good size and frame, just needs to be worked with, and, and Punk, and I mean Punk, Copeland worked with him. And I, I like that. And Bully Ray made a good idea. And that's smart. Like, Jesus. And if you, like, why don't people in that in that locker room, like, like this is where Tony Khan fails. Arn Anderson was there. I think he departed. He was there. Tully Blanchard was there. Um, you got Jake Roberts who's still employed, I believe. Adam Copeland's there. Four guys I just named are legends in this business and have had a hell of a career. Arn Anderson is one of the greatest agents of wrestling. And for people who don't know what agents agents are the ones who who have a match in front of them, but they help the guys figure their spots out, where the match ends, how it starts, blah, 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 timing and everything. Tully Blanchard's been in this business. His dad was a promoter. He's one of the four horsemen. He's known this business a long time. They're no longer there. Jake Roberts, if you ever listen to Jake Roberts, Jake Roberts, psychology-wise, is one of the greatest minds in the history of wrestling. His mind is incredible. And then, of course, you got Adam Copeland, who's been in this business a long time, who could be a booker and a writer one day. If I was Tony Khan and I said, you know what, I'm tired of this shit, I got I to gotta get somebody in there, I would call Bully Ray and said, hey, man, come be an agent and be a booker. I would tell Jake Roberts, be an agent, be a booker, and I would bring in another guy, a third guy in, like somebody like Raven, somebody like that who's smart and creative, and bring those three guys in and have them work. And I guarantee you, I would say Jim Cornette, but goddamn motherfucker, Cornette ain't going nowhere. Cornette ain't going to do it. We all know that. But those three guys right there, I think, would come in and immediately turn the. And it would take it would take six weeks probably, but it, things would be caught on to get guys better off in a way. And I think it would make a lot of sense. I get on here and I rag on T on e, on AEW and I get it. I understand it's annoying, but I want them to succeed. Believe it or not, I am rooting my ass off for them. But I cannot sit there and literally do that every week on week on when I keep seeing the same shit. Please, because Tony will do some great things, some great things. But he'll do some things. I'm going like Jesus Christ, Tony. I've seen this already a thousand times. My God, you got to change this. Like, I guess my thing is I'm more of a storytelling booking fan than a matchmaker. And that's what I'm saying is this. Storytelling is what Triple H does 
We build up for six, seven months to that final match. Tony Khan will have a story like MJF and Adam Cole, but he'll have his story, but there'll be a plot hole here and a plot hole there. Then we get to finish like, wait a minute, what about right here? What about right there? It doesn't make sense. If that makes any sense. But matchmaking, he'll throw like, okay, we're going to get Pentagon Jr. and Rush on television because people want to see that. Okay, people want to see that, but that's why your audience stays at 750 to 900,000 people because you're not growing it. Instead of saying, two weeks on Dynamite, we're going to have Pentagon versus Rush. They're going to put them on TV, have a couple wins, and then it means something. Little things like that, little details like that matter. And that's what I'm saying. Like, for example... There's talent in AEW right now, like Andre Eldado, El, uh, Andreas. Uh, he was just left. Big talent, had a lot of ability. Drew, n- never did anything with him. Never did anything with him in AEW. You look at Miro. How can you, after God's favorite champion, you can't? He had a baby face run in him, I believe, and you dropped the ball with that. Malachi Black can be a single star, but I know he's in the trios with the House of Black, but when's the last time he's worked a singles match one-on-one with somebody? And it, it drew money and meant something besides his run with Cody. He's been in the tag team since then. Um, Needless do I say more. I mean, you look at NXT, Shawn Michaels has finally got that, that, that switch turn on NXT where NXT's actually doing some good things. For a while there, I was NXT was really bad, and then all of a sudden... Shawn Michaels, when they had that superstar-studded NXT thing with all the, when they had Undertaker and Oscar and all those guys, ever since that episode, things switched, just like that. And I really believe like Tony Khan's going. And I tell you right now, if, if TNA Wrestling, because I've been following Impact for the last year since Scott, ever since 2020, since Scott Demore got full control from Don Callis outside 20 2021 when he got full control. Tony, I mean, they're they're. TNA's doing some really good things, man. If you like old school but new school style grounded wrestling that mixes well, there's some good guys there. And Hard to Kill, I hardly, I'm going to promote the shit out of that. Please watch Hard to Kill and give it a chance because they deserve it. And another thing, too, I'm not the biggest Kenny Omega fan in the world, but I wish Kenny Omega the best for his diverticulitis. I hope he heals well, heals fast. But I'm going to make this real clear. Remember when AEW Fight Forever came out and they had the F5 named diverticulitis because Brock Lesnar caught that disease and they thought it'd be funny that they did that? Karma. Karma. Now I got the wrestling section out of the way. I got to talk a little bit about mainstream and then we're going to, I got to promote a couple things and then we're going to get out of here. Shannon Sharp and Cat Williams. Oof, what a interview. I got to admit this, guys. One of the craziest interviews I've ever seen in my lifetime on a podcast. And I got to admit, I tune in because I'm a big Cat Williams fan. I love me some Cat Williams. And I've always enjoyed him. And I always thought it was he's funny and everything else, right? That being said... People are there's there's two sides of this interview. They're saying, hell yeah, Cat's telling the truth, or Cat's got a tour coming up, he's just promoting himself. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. As my girlfriend sends me a text on here, I gotta figure out how to turn the mute thing on this. In my opinion, and this is what I'm going with, I really believe that 
Pat Williams is telling the truth. And I think he means well. I think he knows what he's telling. Do I think he's stretching stories a little bit? I'll take that back. Do I think he's telling the truth all the way? No. I think he's stretching stories out. I think it's half and half. Do I think he's promoting himself? No, because I think Cat Williams don't give a shit. I really don't think he cares. That being said, the Bernie Mac and Steve Harvey thing, he's telling the truth. It's well documented. I'm a huge Bernie Mac fan. I remember watching the King's Comedy as a kid. I remember Dad and I would watch the Bernie Mac show all the time. I love Bernie Mac. Hell, I love the Chris Rock movie, Head of State, because Bernie Mac's in the motherfucker. That movie's horrible, but Bernie Mac's great in it. Walking up off the train station, smacking people and shit. I love me some Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac's my favorite comedian of all time. That being said, Bernie Mac is an incredible, incredible, he was incredible. God rest his soul, the, the world misses Bernie Mac. I, I mean, absolutely. But he's telling the truth. They had beef on Kings of Comedy. And let's be honest, let's, what's the, what, where's the lie at? They had beef. They had beef and it was fucking true. Straight up. Now, that being said, um... And I want to make this clear. I think Steve Harvey is actually pretty solid, solid funny. I don't think he's over the top funny like a guy. He's not a George Carlin or a um, a Joey Diaz because I love me some Joey. Diaz. I, I don't think Joey's greatest guy, but Joey Diaz makes me laugh my ass off. Or a Bernie Mac, Cat Williams, uh, Richard Pryor, guys that I and I'm naming Eddie Murphy in this peak. The guys that I really enjoy as comedians, uh, John Panette, who I think is very underrated. Guys like that. But I think Steve is funny. But I think he was. I think his stand-up comedy is not the best. But I think Steve was better off at being a uh, on a television host like that. I think he's meant to do the TV host because he can make his little. He can't extend his comedy full range. And I don't, I think he he can say his little things. It's funny. He goes on the next thing. I think that's what he's meant for. That being said, about the Cedric Tanner thing, I like Cedric Tanner as an actor. But the joke stealing, the joke stealing thing, I knew that years ago. It's true. Cat Williams has been, I mean, Cedric apologized for that years ago. It's true. It happened. I mean, come on, man. And the Ricky Smiley thing, too, as well. Okay, here's the thing about that. And I'm a fool to announce this, but it also proves how much I watched Ricky Smiley. I didn't realize till that Money Mike and the, the Santa Claus thing I brought that the Santa Claus was, was Ricky Smiley. I had no fucking idea. No fucking idea at all. And I am ashamed to admit that. And that is shameful that I have to admit this. That being said. Um, that being said. Uh, I, I think Ricky may have said that they might have had that idea. But on paper, look at that. Does it make sense? Like, why would you put Cat Williams in a fucking Santa Claus suit and put make Ricky Smiley a pimp? Of all things. Money Mike was made for Cat Williams, and that was it. Cat Williams played a role. You cannot see Ricky Smiley putting the, the pliers to Terry Crews' nuts going, I jingle on your balls, and I want horse open sleigh. You can't see him doing that. that. That role was meant for, I'm a boy, Damon. You can't see Ricky Smiley saying that. That's, that's Cat Williams. So... Like I said, I don't have a dog in a fight. I like everybody, but Cat ain't telling Cat ain't lying. And I'll be honest with you, I've been meaning to go to a comedy show for a long time. And I think Cat Williams coming here in March, or I think it's May or March, he's coming here to Indy. I might buy a ticket and go. I, I'm I'm really anticipating seeing Cat Williams live. Got a couple things to talk about, and that's it. 
YouTube channel is coming. If you saw my recent TikTok and my recent, and I'm going to promote my TikTok page, at the main man 310 I am on TikTok. That is my official TikTok account. Look it up. If you, if anybody wants to look that up, go ahead. I put a TikTok video out. I have the equipment. I'm getting everything set up. We are going to be rock and rolling here real soon with the YouTube channel. I am excited for that. I can't wait for that. We're going to have some new, I'm putting lighting in my podcast room and we're going to rock and roll with it. I'm excited. Can't wait. That being said, I got another thing to promote. If you go on Twitch, <gasps> Twitch, yes, Shelby Green is now on Twitch, ShelboNasty0310, once I get the YouTube channel and everything on, we're going to start doing Twitch streams, um, I'm a PlayStation guy, you can add me at GreenShelby0310 on PlayStation Network, I play a lot of sports games, Red Dead, I play a lot of horror survival games. But I will do some games. I will be playing back and forth. I'm looking to, I would like to launch the game in July for college football if the, the fucking game drops. That is the plan, but I might drop it earlier than that. I am in the middle of playing Red Dead. I'm in chapter five of Red Dead Redemption since the GTA resurgence has come up. And that's going to be a great time. And that's really all I got left to talk on the show. I'm going to end the show. The I opened up with the Backstreet USA theme from the Fabulous Freebirds. I opened that up. That being said, I really believe that I'm going to have real soon an intro and outro for this podcast. I'm teasing things right now, but I'm also going to let you know this too, that I'm also going to end the show with a, I call it the one man gang call after I do my famous line. You never know. I might draw some merchandise with that famous saying I always quote at the end. So I'm going to end it like this. I don't bullshit. I just tell like it is straight up. And one last thing before I, uh, before I head with this.